Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Um, I made this announcement at the uh, nine. I made it last week. If you have, uh, if you're a longtime CCer, and some of you, if it works better, can move to the nine over the next couple of weeks, that'd be amazing. We are uh, filling up there, but there's still seats, and so we're going to continue to make room and still have some here. But like, if you're a longtime CCer and continue to help us make room throughout the fall, that'll be amazing. Um, the other thing is, next week is a one-off message called "If You're Not Ready, You're Perfect." which I don't want you guys to miss. And then in two weeks, we start the For the City series, which is not to be confused with our fourth Sunday for the city every month. There's a whole series we do every year for three weeks that honestly is my, I think, favorite, maybe I'm overstating it, favorite series of the year. Um, we talk about a different angle every year about what our calling is into the community. We give a bunch of money away. It is actually the best series of the year, I'm serious about this, to invite somebody. And so do not miss next week. And then in two weeks when we start For the City, it's gonna be a lot of fun. But today, um, are you guys ready to land? the plane on this series, Mind Traps. Okay. Um, and I've heard some of you on radio, podcasts, so just shout out to you if you're tracking with this series. I've heard from a bunch of you. Um, but here's the thing that for most of us is present in like middle school that never actually leaves. And that is like every once in a while, we just want to express our freedom because we hate somebody else telling us what to do. Like, I want to be autonomous. I'm tired of somebody telling me I'm going to exercise my freedom. And generally, um, when you're a middle schooler, that doesn't go well. So I, the kind of dumb example that popped into my mind was at about 10 years old, we would go to my grandparents every summer, and they live like in the mountains, like real mountains, and their house was on one side of this hill, went down, there was a creek or a creek or wherever you're from, and then up on the other side, there was the other side of the mountain, and I mean mountain, this is not like, you know, Florida hill, it's a mountain. And so I was on top of the one hill one day with a bike, contemplating whether I could ride it down and build a ramp across that creek. And my mom saw me, and so the next time she saw me, she's like, do not ride that bike across, you'll, you'll kill yourself. And I was like, yes, ma'am, what does she know? I'm 10, I can totally make this, and I'll build um, a, basically a two by four sized ramp to cross it, because that'll probably work. Um, and this is before the X Games, but I was sure that I could uh, conquer this thing. So the next day, without anybody knowing, I get back up there. I finally work up the courage because this is a hill. And I just launch off. And like, you, do you know that feeling when you're like 30 seconds into something and there's no turning back and you realize I've made a terrible decision? <laughs> and like, I just felt that. And, I'm going, and it is immediately way faster than I had anticipated. And I'm going down just trying to keep the bike straight and then praying to God that somehow I'm gonna hit the two by four ramp. Like, why did I not make it bigger as I get to the bottom? And what do you think happened? 
yeah, no way I'm hitting that ramp. I hit the rocks, I flew in the air, and I, you're gonna think I'm exaggerating. I basically folded the bike in half and I was sandwiched around it on the other side, just completely destroyed the thing. And just kind of, you know, it's like dazes you. I'm trying to figure out if I'm okay, are any limbs broken? And then I see my dad running down from the other hill and I'm thinking, okay, thank you. He's come to see if I'm okay you know, how he can help me, whatever. My dad gets to the bottom of the hill and he's probably gonna dispute this story. He stands over and he's like, do you see what you did to this bike? (laughs) And I'm like, can you unfold me from the bike first before you, like, you don't even know if I'm alive yet, but that's like 90s parenting. So, um, and here's the thing though, like as crazy as that is, I don't, it's more sophisticated later on, but I don't think that ever really leaves us where like this, this desire that I want to exercise my freedom, the only problem with it is that a lot of our greatest regrets came from a misguided expression of our freedom, right? Where, I mean, for some of you, maybe it was that first time where you could buy whatever you wanted, nobody was standing over your shoulder, and I, you, know, you had a card that would swipe, and it didn't seem like real money, and then later down the road, you realized that wasn't freedom, that the borrow is slave to the lender. That's the one thing in the Bible maybe you believe if you don't believe the rest of it. Or you were kind of in this place where you could indulge in whatever you wanted to. You're a sophomore in college. Finally, nobody's gonna tell you. And so like, what the heck? You can live it up for a little while and then you realize that indulgence led to addiction in some area. Or it's just that cultural view that a lot of us buy into of I can do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And you went down that path and then, uh uh-oh, you realized actually it did hurt somebody. If nobody else, it hurt me. It was like a misguided expression of my freedom. And what we said in the series is like the the issue around that is we we buy into lies or deception, in this case, about what's going to make us free. And the problem with that is almost every avoidable regret that we've had in life came from a lie that we believed, a deceptive idea about what we thought was gonna be best for us ended up not being best for us. So the simple question I just wanna ask as we land the plane on this is how do you avoid the trap? Like how do you avoid that trap and how do you really answer that question of how do I find freedom? And the thing about this just from a cultural standpoint, in the United States, we've almost elevated personal liberty and freedom above every other value. It's like if I can just get that, I've made it. And that's a whole nother talk, and I'll get to some of that later, but the whole idea of I don't wanna be, I wanna be autonomous, I don't wanna be told what to do, I wanna have freedom, and yet sometimes it leads us into places where we're anything but. And in fact, a lot of the, the kind of language we'll use is things like, well, just be true to you. Like, just be true to you. Just be true to you. The only problem, so I'll just tell you, for me, the only problem with that is which me should I be true to? Because like there's the me that comes home uh, from work and I want to love my wife really well and I want to be an incredible dad. But then there's the other me that wants to go binge Netflix and have nobody talk to me and just be by myself for a while. And I'm just going to tell you, both of those are me. Both of those are being true to me. So which me should I be true to? And then the other problem is what was true for me in one season ended up not being true for me in the other season. In hindsight, it just ended up being what I wanted in the moment. So like being true to you, I get it, but I don't know if it works. And then the other one, we've talked about this some, is the whole like, well, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. And as we said last week, and if you are parenting teenagers, that, those are the people that laughed just now, I think. Jeremiah 17, 9 said it this way, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful. Thanks, Jeremiah. It's a puzzle that no one can figure out. And we said, like, I've made decisions that actually undermine my own future and my own happiness and my own fulfillment, my own freedom. And it's just kind of like, I'm a a puzzle to me. Like, why did I do that? 
And so the whole following your heart, like that can be dangerous because again, what your heart wants in one season, your heart despises in another season. That's crazy. Like when I was a junior in college, there's this girl that I was like, I need to follow my heart. Like she is the one that's God's will for my life. And then a decade later, I'm like, my heart was wrong. And I, maybe I should clarify, that wasn't my wife. That was like God, <laughs> but you know, those things that for real you look at and go like, if I would have followed my heart, my heart would have led me to a place that I actually didn't really want. And yet Jesus steps into the whole conversation. He says this in Galatians, that Christ has actually set us free to live a free life. And like most messages, I'll probably get loud through part of this because I just am so passionate about this subject. I couldn't end the series without talking about this because I think there is so much around following Jesus in this brand of Christianity that looks nothing like freedom. And I get it, and I'll talk about why that is like in a second. And part of the reason is because so much of what Jesus invites us into that ends up in freedom does not feel like freedom on the front ends. In fact, it's not intuitive at all. It's not obvious at all, which is the, which why most people miss it. It's why I've missed it in so many seasons of my life because I just take it at face value and go, no, 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 that's not freeing. That's not freedom. That's not where I wanna end up. That's gonna be restrictive. That's gonna be suppressive. That's not gonna lead me where I wanna go. And so we never arrive at these conclusions intuitively. And so Jesus, I think, would say to us, and he does in the scripture, hey, you gotta follow me into this. And it really comes down to what are you gonna trust for reality about your life and about the deepest questions about where you're gonna find pleasure and fulfillment and happiness and freedom. But Jesus would say, I'm guaranteeing you, if you will follow me into this, I will lead you toward freedom because it's part of my design and my destiny for your life. But you are not naturally going to arrive there. If you just try to follow your heart or be true to you to get there, you will end up more enslaved than you are free. And so one day Jesus is giving this talk where he he talks about all this, and it's his most famous sermon. Uh, Some of you, if you didn't grow up in the church, maybe you have heard of it or remember the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount, um, creative title because he was on a mountain. And so he's giving this whole talk, and he basically says, okay, this is the way to find freedom. Like people who end up living free lives, this is what they prioritize, this is what it looks like. This is how you live. Now, here's what I want you to do for the next couple minutes. And I'm gonna try to move as fast as I can, but this is brilliant teaching by Jesus. And what I want you to listen for in this whole discussion of what is ultimately gonna lead me to freedom is a common denominator that is kind of thread through everything that Jesus says. Because in this common denominator, I think for a lot of us, it really potentially is the catalyst for the transformation that we are praying for and hoping for and looking for, and we feel anything but free right now. Maybe we feel anxious or depressed or we can't sleep or we're overrun with worry about the future, but we feel anything but free. And Jesus is like, all of that stuff, like it's natural in a sin-infested world, but I'm telling you, it's not gonna be perfect, but I'm inviting you into a life that's characterized by freedom, but you gotta follow me there. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, listening on radio, podcast, whatever, here's what I'd say to you. Um, my hope is you'd get there and you'd believe who Jesus is. And that he, I think he's the son of God because he rose from the dead and there's a lot of historical evidence. But if you're not there, I get it. So what I would say is lean in for the next few minutes because what Jesus says is so brilliant, it'll just help your life. So here's how Jesus starts the conversation. One day he's with um, his disciples, apostles. That's like the inner crew that would go everywhere with Jesus. And then there's a bunch of fans, basically. So there's potentially hundreds of people listening to Jesus. And Jesus stops to go, okay, I just wanna tell you what freedom looks like. And he starts with all of these statements, blessed is the person who, and really in that word blessed, you could insert reality is. Like how to find reality in life, how to find the answers to your deepest questions. And I'm just telling you, some of the verses 
just so you don't feel like you have to have all the right answers in church. If you look at them or you hear them and you'll go, what? That didn't make any sense. And sometimes we're just conditioned to go, yeah, yeah, okay, that's what it says, and then move on with our life. But I wanna kind of give the why behind it, because I'm telling you, so much of what Jesus says in this talk is counterintuitive. And no way you would arrive at this and go, well, if I do this, I'm gonna be free. The opposite. And so here's what Jesus says. You guys with me? Thanks. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, that was all better. Never mind. Um, I was going to make fun of the 9 a.m. again, and I've got to stop that, all right? Uh, I love them. They just don't give me anything at 9 a.m. in the morning. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples, all this, this large group of people came to him, and he began to teach them. And again, it's the most famous sermon. Jesus would quote this sermon over and over and over again, and it really at the heart, the core was, how do you find freedom? How do you find fulfillment in life? And so he says this, verse three, he said, blessed, or basically, here's what reality is. This is what truth looks like if you'll, if you'll trust me. Because you're gonna trust something in life to lean into in regard to answer the biggest questions about who you are, what's reality, how do I find happiness? Maybe your logic, people around you, what you grew up with, science, your own ability to reason, but you're gonna trust something. So he says this, blessed are the, what, what's the three words? Poor in spirit, which already you're like, I don't see how this relates to my freedom. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs, such a big statement, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And basically right here, he addresses the myth, and man, how relevant is this, like 2020? It addresses the myth of socioeconomic status, that rich or poor has nothing to do, and we are deceived to thinking it does, has nothing to do with your quality in life, the quality of life you experience. Now, you've been on a mission trip, some of you know that already, that accumulation of more has no correlation to your freedom. Amen. And this is a big deal because basically what he's leading us toward is, this is poor in spirit is no matter how much I have, like things are tracking great, company's doing amazing, kids couldn't be better, just got a raise, it's everything I wanted it to be, I feel like emotionally I'm doing well, or on the other side, like things aren't going well, I just lost my job, this is not where I wanted to be, I don't wanna work here. Wherever you are, the poor in spirit individual says, I am as dependent on God in this circumstance as I ever have been in my life. That I get up every day, And I recognize that I am as dependent on God as I have ever been in any moment of my life. And even when I have more, I am no less dependent on God. In fact, here's what some of us have um, experienced, kind of um, like we kind of backed into this and learned the hard way. And that is the moment you start to trust the provision, the thing that has been provided for you, the house, the car, the promotion, the respect, you got another degree, kids doing great. I mean, all the stuff that, you know, we love and it's not bad by itself. But the moment you start to trust that provision rather than the provider of that provision, you become enslaved. Because, I'll tell you why. When you get to that place where you start to trust the provision, why did this? I've worked hard, you know, thank you, Jesus, and you'll include him in some prayers, but it's kind of you and you're the master of your destiny and you made it happen and you you will inadvertently move to a place where you start to think that you are in control of the outcomes of your life. And I just wanna tell you, that is a miserable place to be because you are not in control of the outcomes of your life. And when you think you are, you end up not sleeping very well. 
when you think you are, you end up being riddled with anxiety and worry and overwork and everything is out of balance. And Jesus is saying, listen, free people are all over the spectrum. They're rich, they're poor, they're somewhere in the middle, but they recognize in every season when it's up and to the right or everything is crashing to the ground that they in that moment are as dependent on God as ever. And I will not buy into the lie to trust the provision at the expense of the provider because I am not in control of my life. And I'm telling you, that is so free. In fact, th- those in other parts of the world who are economically disadvantaged, there's not really even in, in this temptation because they would never think of trying to find freedom and fulfillment in the accumulation of things in this life because it's not an option. And Jesus says, if you wanna find your way to freedom, you get up in every circumstance, every day, or you say it in the back of your mind in the boardroom when things are going well, Jesus, I declare my dependence and I surrender my will to you no matter what's happening circumstantially in my life. And if you can get to that place, you will live free. Because when I've been in that place in my life multiple times is like get it done, type A personality where I think that I, it's all up to me it steals my freedom and enjoyment of, of life. And so Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is the second one, verse four. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And again, it's like, Jesus, it makes no sense. Like I, that, doesn't feel, that doesn't feel free. I don't even know why you'd include that in the talk. But here's basically what he's saying. Mourners are those who are emotionally connected. Now, this is just me because I could not get to this verse and I try to be as honest as I can. I don't know if you guys feel that on stage. One person does, but like, I, so like if I'm preaching, so I'll, I'll try to be really honest about where I'm at. I, I, seasons of my life, I feel like I've been very emotionally connected. I make a lot of, I'm, I am an introvert, but I love people. I, I, so all of that. But then just, just to be fair, the other seasons of my life, and I'm, I'm still working on it certain times, I am incredibly emotionally disconnected. And I'll give you one example. And this is my, like, just real quick. Is this a safe place? We'll see. Um, <laughs> when my wife and I, um, we were first married. So you, there's a couple of things you need to give me grace on. We were first married. This is early on in our marriage, a long time ago. Um, we were living in a townhouse, and my wife gets up in the middle of the night, and she, and turns out later, she is very sick. I mean, very, I won't give you the details, very, very sick. Um, and I get up at 2 a.m., and this is, an, I'll just repeat, that is an important part of the story. I got up at 2 a.m., and she's in the, in the um, loft and she's just like doubled over and like agonizing in pain and all of this. And so I get up at 2 a.m. and I walk into the loft and I like lean down. And this is the moment, like you know how the story ends, where like any right thinking human being with any bit of emotion would go, how are you doing, baby? Like, are you okay? Can I get you anything? Are you all right? It looks like you're in pain. I lean over to her in the loft and the next words out of my mouth are, how much of this is like you're really sick and then how much of this is you just being dramatic? <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't need that reaction. Like you said, <laughs> that's not safe. And that's, that's, that just, that's just one example. And we didn't talk for 72 hours, I think after that. But it was, a, it was a great learning experience for our life and our relationship. But I tend to go there, for real. And I've, I think I've gotten a lot better. But here's the like, kind of big overarching point that Jesus is making is people who are emotionally connected don't hide from injustice. They don't run from randomness. They don't run from pain. 
and that's really counterintuitive. Like they, they walk into sorrow and death and they feel it. And I think like culturally that's almost been lost. We're like, we'll go to a funeral and we'll like shake it off and go our way and like, I'm glad that's over. But, but the whole idea of entering into it and feeling it, and I could talk for a while just on this subject and about the, the health and just embracing and feeling some of the stuff around me that we need to feel. Because Jesus promised, we said it throughout the series, like in this world, you're gonna have trouble. There's gonna be times when you're gonna suffer. Thing, things are gonna go sideways. And the, here's the thing I thought of when I, I thought of this verse, and it's not gonna make sense to you, but some of, it, some of you it will, but because of what I do, I've just spent a lot of seasons where I've been with people at the end of their life and I've done funerals and all the stuff that you would expect. And I can't explain this to you. But entering in and feeling so much of that with so many people over the year has made my life richer. And I don't, I don't know what that dynamic is. But basically what Jesus is getting at is this is the way to freedom because you will never be free as long as fear is controlling you in your life. And there, you know, you're gonna be afraid of stuff. It's not don't have fear. You can't even control that. It's allowing fear to control. And I, I would say it this way, that the fear of dying will actually rob you of the joy of living. And this is legit. I don't know how else to say this. And you, again, we have so many who are investigating and skeptical, but I don't know how you find this without Jesus. And maybe there's a way, I don't know the way, but the good news of Jesus is like, we say it every week, he came, lived the perfect life we couldn't, died the death on the cross that we should have died for all of our sin and dysfunction. And then I think in history, rose from the grave. And now he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be forgiven, will be rescued. They'll become a son and daughter. They'll have life, forgiveness, heaven, eternity. That's the only way I know to get through the losses that I've experienced in my own life. That's the only way that I can walk through a funeral and somehow God shows up and does something. And if you have met free people, one of the things that just characterizes their life is some kind of weird confidence in the future. And this is not all there is. And there's something about it when you are willing to embrace that and allow it to push you to the hope that we have. I'm telling you, that feeling of the sorrow and the hurt actually will cause you to enjoy life more and you will not be imprisoned by your fear. This is not all there is. So Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they're gonna be comforted. And then blessed, and this is one where we're really like, I don't know. Verse five, blessed, you wanna live free, are the meek, <laughs> for they will inherit the earth. Or basically, you're gonna want the life that they have. And the way most of us have heard this taught, we're like, no, probably not. I don't think that's true. Because meekness is always couched as some kind of negative thing. You're soft, you're gonna get run over. Obviously, you don't have much drive and passion. I mean, it's just all negative, and that's not at all what Jesus is talking about. Here's kind of the, the definition I would tease out of meekness. It's just this. A proper estimation or valuation of oneself within the broader context of God's creation and God's love. Let me explain it. If you're a follower of Jesus, we said this throughout the series, and I, I just wish that I could get you to believe this. If I, could, if I could just anchor it in your heart, I would. God has called you to something more. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been called, whether you're experiencing it or not, or maybe you've grown up in church all your life and you don't feel like you've experienced many other people like this, doesn't make it any less true. You have been called to live life to the full, a life that is not ordinarily encountered. God has a destiny for you. God has a will for you. God has a purpose for you. He knows how jacked up you are. He knows how jacked up I am. It's a joke he chose me to stand on a stage, but he has called you anyway to live a different kind of life. And you are a 
part of a bigger story that God is writing throughout every generation, all of humanity, all of the world, that you are an ambassador of Christ and a carrier of the message of the gospel. You are somebody, you matter, and you have extraordinary worth with what God has called you to do. And you should never be arrogant, but you should walk with a little confidence understanding who God has made you to be. That's what's true about you. But here's how meekness fits in because it understands I'm a part of a larger story, but I am not the center of that story. Jesus is the center of that story. Jesus is writing it and he has invited me in. And come on again, how countercultural is I'm not gonna live my life entitled. I'm I'm gonna, with everything in me as I follow Jesus, live my life open-handed, not jockeying for position or titles or more followers or how how can I get more, how can I multiply just for the sake of somehow I need to fill something inside of me. This is, no, no, no. This is, I'm a part of a big story already. If Jesus' followers would just wake up tomorrow to recognize there is nothing that you need to achieve to be somebody. You already are. And that's not demotivating. It'll cause you to be more passionate and motivated than ever before. You'll just live from a place of acceptance rather than living your life for acceptance. And the reality is what he's inviting us into is it's not about you and so live that way. I love John the Baptist and his story. I mean, if you don't know, he's like the forerunner for Jesus. So he's like the warm-up band for the main act. He's preparing the way for Jesus. That's my paraphrase. Um, Matthew didn't write that, but he's, he's getting everything ready to go. He's baptizing people. He's like, hey man, the one that's, that God's promise is coming. And then there's a point in John's ministry where he loses all of his followers and they start going to Jesus and Jesus' disciples starts baptizing them. And if you read the, the stories in the gospels, it's kind of hilarious because all of John the Baptist's guys are like, hey John, you need to rebrand, man. Like, I think you need some more followers. Oh, you're losing all of your people. We need to up the game here a little bit. You need to market a little bit better. And John makes this profound statement that I love. When all of his followers are, are walking away, he says, we can only, I can only receive what comes to me from heaven. God puts it in my hands and God takes it away. But I'm just gonna trust him, which means I'm gonna live my life recognizing that I'm gonna maximize my impact. I'm gonna do all I can. This is not about just standing idly by. It's being passionate. It's going after it, realizing we have a huge calling on our life, but then coming to the place to recognize I'm not going to live my life trying to be somebody I'm not. Every day I'm gonna get up, and I literally write this in my journal, and it's one of my prayers that I pray because I have to remind myself because sometimes I move into this place where I just think, I've got to get it all done. I've got to do it. I've got to accomplish it. And one of my prayers that I heard years ago is just this, God, the only responsibility that you've given me is to do everything in my life to obey you and then to trust you with all the consequences of my life, knowing that you are worthy. And so I'm going to go after, and I recognize God has a big calling on my life just like you but I don't have to try to manipulate the outcomes or the future or try to be entitled or try to gain more followers. I just need to recognize I'm a part of a big story, but it's not my story. It's Jesus' story. Blessed are the meek, for they're gonna inherit the earth, and I need to go a little quicker. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Like, if you wanna live a full life, if you wanna find freedom, basically, people who live free are those with no guilt, no regret, clear conscience. Now, let's just be honest. Nobody's there. But this is, 
I wanna actively pursue this and I'm not gonna continue to live my life in this place where there's constantly more guilt, where like I did it and then I've done it again and now I did it again, where I'm constantly in this place of not a clear conscience. This is, I'm gonna get up every day. How do I trust and obey God? How do I do the right thing even when it costs me? Because that is the pathway to freedom. I mean, just think about this from kind of, I mean, this is so over, overly simplistic, but you've never had regrets over doing the right thing. Like, gosh, that was so generous. I wish I could take that back. Why did I love them like that? Why, why did I do that? Why, why did I make that good decision? Nobody does that. Nobody goes back like, I wish I could go back to college and get in more trouble. Right? I mean, just obviously, I, I wish I could rack up another addiction. I wish I would have flunked that one semester when I felt so awkward and everybody was doing it. I decided not to. Gosh, I wish I could go back. Nobody does it. But how many of us look back to go, I wish I could undo that. What I thought was freedom in that moment was not freedom. And this is just the whole idea of living with integrity, doing the right thing, even when it costs you. And Jesus would say to us, this is where it's counterintuitive and it doesn't make sense because my commands on the front end, they seem so restrictive. They don't, they, but we have enough experience in our own life to realize that what was restrictive at 19 was life-giving at 39. And Jesus is going, I just want you to live your life that way. I want you to follow my commands. And I know it doesn't feel like it, but they are liberating. Blessed is the righteous because they're going to be filled. And then blessed, verse seven, are the merciful for they will be shown what? That people who live free and find freedom are relationally generous people that they don't live their life trying to pay back. They live their li lives giving other people exactly what they don't deserve. And I get the layers to that. And I understand how much baggage there is around that. And every time I talk about this type of thing, it's like, well, you don't know my story. And if I told you, and yeah, I don't, and you're right. And I'm not trying to convince you. And maybe if I sat down with you, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. All I'm telling you is this, this is the pathway to freedom. And you have never met, I guarantee you, you have never met a person where you go, man, they just seem so free. You have never met a free person who is holding on to bitterness. Amen. And here's the thing, and this is why bitterness is such a struggle. This is the liar deception around what we think is gonna make us free because we think that bitterness is a way to maintain control over somebody who's hurt us. And the moment that I give up that bitterness or control, I have to be vulnerable and I don't like to be vulnerable. And so we think if I, if I hang on to the bitterness, then I'm gonna hang on to control. But here's the reality is your freedom is at stake in that exchange because you have never met a free, fulfilled person who is bitter. But you have plenty of examples, I bet, of people who are free, they are fulfilled, and they have been hurt deeply. And yet somehow they found a way to live relationally generous toward an ex toward a boss that didn't deserve it, toward a friend, somebody who wounded them deeply and they did not get what they deserved from that person, but they're free. And Jesus says, I, I get that it's hard, but you drop the bitterness, those who live relationally generous will be shown mercy. And then this next one, I think there's only two left. This is like, there's so much tension around, Jesus kind of baits us. Like before we get to the verse, he's like, okay, listen, do you wanna see clearly? which is like the whole idea of the series, right? Like I don't wanna to get to another season of my life and go, why did I see that coming? This is, you wanna see clearly, do you wanna have more insight about the future than other people around you? Do you wanna see some of the lies and deception ahead of time so that you don't have to learn by experience with everything in your life? Like, do you wanna have clarity around what God's will is and what God wants for your life? This is, this is so counterintuitive, so countercultural. Jesus says, verse eight, blessed are the what? Pure in heart 
which even the word, it's like, there's so much negative connotation. Like, I don't know. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will, help me out again, see God. That Jesus invited us into purity in a culture that doesn't even value the word. And he says to us, I want you to follow me into this and the clarity that you need around your future, about where God wants to lead you around the direction of your life is found. And this is, this is very all-inclusive. This is like moral purity. This is ethical purity. This is integrity. I'm gonna do the right thing even when nobody knows, even when nobody's gonna find out. This is, I don't have to experience everything to know there's certain things that I'm gonna just trust the one who says I'm the source of all reality and even if it doesn't add up to me, I'm gonna trust him anyway. I'm gonna believe him anyway. I'm gonna follow him anyway. And so he says, blessed are the pure in heart who live that way because they have the greatest opportunity to see the activity of God in their life. This is basically what Paul was talking about in the New Testament. And again, this is something I journal because I, I want to get it in me almost every day of my life. God, help me to set aside every weight, every entanglement. Some of it's not even sin, it's just distraction, sin. But any of those things in my life, even if they're morally neutral, that will distract me and keep me from really understanding what God wants from my life. And so he says, listen, if you wanna have insight for your future, if you kinda of wanna be a couple lengths ahead of everybody else in culture, lean in to live purity in a culture that doesn't value it. And come on, this is a huge issue for some of us. This has been a huge issue for me at multiple seasons of my life. This is a huge issue as a college student where God was prompting me to do some things in my life. And if I were just to be really honest, I didn't trust God. And the issues that I had was I'm not sure that what I was giving up was gonna be worth ultimately what I would get in Jesus. I wasn't sure it was gonna be worth it. I wasn't sure that God wasn't holding out on me or I wasn't gonna miss out on some stuff. And it was a struggle. And it's what we said, it's like Eve in the garden. Did God really say? Like, are, are you sure? And Jesus says, I want you to follow me into this. And I know it's counterculture and there will be seasons where it will hurt and it will cost you, and you will miss out. And if you'll follow me, you will follow me into freedom, and you can start now. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, and blessed are the peacemakers, verse nine, for they will be called children of God, because your heavenly Father, more than anything else, wants to make peace with you. No matter how jacked up you are, he wants to reconcile you, he wants to forgive you, he wants to enter into relationship with you. He wants to know you. And when you decide to be a peacemaker with other people, you are most like your father in heaven. Now, I don't know how else to say this, so I don't mean this to be offensive, but have you ever, I know, anytime I start a statement like that, do you know any free, fulfilled idiots? No, just be honest. We can be honest in church for a second. And I'm not meaning like God loves them. But God can love somebody, and you can even love somebody. They're made in the Imago Day, but they're an idiot, yes. right? I, I, don't, I don't think I'm being contradictory. And you just, like, you've never looked at that person who, like, flicked you off in traffic or tried to, and gone, man, I bet they're just living so free, so fulfilled. No, nobody does that. But you've met people that actually get threatened by other people's freedom. Threatened by other people. That's actually what ends up happening. In fact, I can't tell you how many people I've sat down with who are in relational conflict. And one of the issues is one of the individuals is so free and so happy and the other is not. And the other person is so miserable. They want to make the other person miserable. They want to undermine the other person's freedom. Like you've never met a fulfilled free person who lives like that. And so Jesus is saying people who live free are reconcilers. 
They're peacemakers. They're doing everything possible. And it's not always possible, but you're gonna do everything you can. I'm telling you, that's just true, isn't it? I mean, 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew this. And then final one, in verse 10, and again, this is the one where like, I don't know, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted. And you're like, I don't think that word and blessed go together. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Just stay with me for a second. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And immediately I get it, the pushback is like losing a job because I did what was right and ignored my boss. I'm not gonna find freedom in that. I don't know if that's worth it. Like failing a test where everybody else had the answers and I'm like, I'm the one guy that did, I don't know if I'm gonna, and I failed, I don't know if I'm gonna find freedom in that. Like how do you find freedom? But here's what Jesus is saying. This is the reality of life and I don't need to convince you of this. You already know even if you're not a God follower. In this life, there is going to be trouble. You are going to suffer. And life can be, as we said last week, it can be, amazing and beautiful, but also there's hard times. And what Jesus is saying is in this life, you're gonna suffer. But you're gonna suffer for doing what is right or doing what is wrong. And you only experience freedom on one side of that equation. That you're gonna, you get the chance to choose. You get the chance to control and you can have freedom when you suffer for doing what is right because at the end of the day, you have peace with you. It's not, well, I can't live with myself. No, no, I'm good with myself. Even though it costs me, I still have peace with me and I feel like I have peace with God because I did the right thing even when it cost me, even when I looked absurd, even when nobody else did it and I'm good with me. And you wanna find, as we said, happy, fulfilled people. Those are happy, fulfilled people. But you can be on the other side where you end up suffering because you were doing what was wrong. You didn't make the right decision. You thought, well, there's a quicker way to success where I can set aside my integrity or character because everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. And then you end up at the end of that and you don't have peace with you. And you don't feel like you have peace with God. But the reality is, regardless of your circumstances, you can decide, I'm just gonna do the right thing anyway. And I may end up in a season where this is not what I wanted or not what I planned, but I'm telling you, I would not trade my freedom for success that I earned the wrong way because my peace is worth everything. And Jesus has said, you get to choose. So choose to suffer for doing what is right rather than suffer for doing what is wrong so that you can live free regardless of what happens happens to you. And so Jesus' summary would be like, that's how you live free. That's how you find freedom. That's how you experience life to the full and life that is not ordinarily encountered. And again, I can't punctuate this enough. I don't know what your Christian experiences look like. For some of us, it's boring. It's just like this same monotonous routine. And part of it is because we've never fully surrendered and followed Jesus into what he wants. We're just a fan of his. But being a fan of Jesus is not gonna lead you to life to the full. Full on following Jesus, there is the invitation of, I'm gonna lead you toward a life that is not ordinarily encountered and I want you to live free. And here's what I love about this, that your invitation to live free by Jesus is not held hostage by a single circumstance in your life. Because there are people who've lived extraordinary free lives and it has not been pain-free, problem-free, but they followed Jesus. Now here's the thing. Here's the common denominator though in all of it. This is the common thread that if you're paying attention that Jesus kind of leads us toward that really is the, this is maybe the catalyst for our transformation. It's just this. And I started to tease this out last week. Freedom ultimately is an outcome. 
Freedom is an outcome, meaning freedom is about doing something now that is gonna pay off later. Freedom, in some cases, is saying no to what I want now for what I want later. Freedom is not being obsessed with the immediate, but being obsessed and having a vision for what is ultimate. And here's what I've discovered about my own life that I constantly have to remind myself, and I think some of you have as well, is in my life, and I think, I think that there's a principle around this, anytime that there is like this immediate, just pleasure in the moment, quicker way to success, quicker way to reach my goal, quicker way to get to whatever, there almost has never been a time that I can think of where that immediate pleasure or that immediate, you know, get to where I wanna get faster leads to long-term love, joy, peace, contentment, or freedom. Almost never. It almost always tempts me to compromise and give up something. But when you have your eyes on, no, I'm gonna live for what is ultimate and not what is immediate, and what you need to know about ultimate is generally it does not pay off immediately. And so what Jesus is saying is the freedom that you're after is not immediately accessible. This is a big deal. Meaning, because we are, we are obsessed with this in our culture. Let me just find another podcast. Let me just listen to another whatever. That was amazing. This should, be the, this should be the magic formula. If I can just get some more whatever, if I can just read that book, if I can just have another session. I mean, all of those things are helpful. You're not gonna listen to a message, a podcast, sing a song, or walk out of this message and go, living free. It's not immediately accessible. It's way better than that. Jesus would teach it's an outcome that you sow and you reap your way into it. You sow and reap your way into fulfillment and freedom. And I'm just telling you, that may not seem like good news. That's an incredible news because for some of us, you have reaped and sown your way into dysfunction and you feel anything but free and you are not happy and you don't feel like you're in a good place and if they only knew and if God only knew and I'm not sure and here's the reality, if you have sown your way into dysfunction, you can sow your way out. And that today, you need to hear me, God is inviting you out and one of the lies is that you're gonna get there immediately and you're gonna surrender and throw your stick in the fire and Jesus, I'm all in and everything's gonna change and it's not going to happen. You need to begin to take the steps to sow in a different direction and God will begin to transform your life. When he says, I'm inviting you into life and life to the full, he's not a liar. He is inviting you into life to the full. And here's how he ends this whole talk to just punctuate. He gives us this word picture. He, all the blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. And then he ends this way in a parable, Matthew 7, 24, and says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, like lives differently. I'm gonna trust somebody, I'm gonna trust something. Okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you as the source of reality for my life. They're like a wise man, wise woman, wise teenager who built their house on a rock, meaning it wasn't immediately accessible. They're not gonna be changed immediately, but they will eventually. But everyone, verse 26, who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, like later, I need to change, I need to do better, I'll get to that eventually, is like a foolish person who built his house on the sand. And you know probably how the story ends. You build a house on the sand, there's no immediate consequences. In fact, for a decade, you're living well. Everything's great. And then the storms come and the winds start to, to rage. The house that was built on the rock, which took a lot of time, withstood. And the house that was built on the sand that's been pretty pretty and pain-free for a decade suddenly is left with nothing but regret because a life of freedom is an outcome and you sow and reap your way 
into it. And so my question, like we've ended every message in the series, what potential lie am I believing about how to live free? What potential lies am I believing about how to live free? Because here's the reality, you're going to trust somebody. You're gonna trust something. And if we're honest, for some of us, we've lived large portions of our life and we've trusted us, you've trusted you. You've listened to the lies of deception in your own mind that's led you to places you don't wanna go. And Jesus would say in love, you can't, you can't be true to you and you can't follow your heart and follow Jesus at the same time. And so I'm inviting you, trust me, follow me. And if you're not free and you're in dysfunction, this is the good news of the gospel. I will invite you out and you can sow and reap your way out. And it is not immediately accessible, but it is eventually accessible. And I'm inviting you into life and life to the full. And can I just end with this? Because I just want to remind you one more time in the series. Because I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you think about your identity. I don't know what you're struggling with about you. But the reality is if you would just begin to take these steps, God will awaken you. And if you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, I would just wanna remind you one more time, nothing is gonna separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That you are a son and you're a daughter of God. You've been adopted by him and nobody is ever gonna disinherit you because he went to the cross, paid your debt, walked out of a grave alive. You have a hope, you have a future. He knew how jacked up you would be. He knew the decisions you would make. He knew where you would be at this point in your life. And I'm telling you, he is inviting you in. I have a hope, I have a future, I have a destiny, I have a will. I know what culture is telling you. I know that everybody's condition will just language, language, just survive, just try to make it to Saturday. No, no, I'm inviting you into life to the full. This is not an ordinary life. And of course you're not worthy of it. Of course you're background maybe is a train wreck, but you are a son and daughter of God. You've got the spirit of God inside of you and you have been destined for impact. I don't care if your GPA was 0.006. I don't care about your socioeconomic level. I don't care if you can't find Amos in the Old Testament. I don't care what you know, what you've done, where you've been. I am the creator God of the universe. I'm the king above every other king. And I just want to encourage you for a second. That life is possible for you. That freedom is possible for you. You do not have to stay where you are and it will not happen immediately. But if you will take the step, God will begin to blow the winds of his spirit and his power on you. And God will lead you to a place in your life toward purpose, joy, and destiny that you never thought possible because it's not up to your worthiness or what you think you can do. You have a savior that invited you into this despite your unworthiness and he's willing to do it if you'll trust him. And so he says, follow me. Trust me, lift your head up to know who you are and what I've called you into. And I just think it's, and I'm oversimplifying, but this is it, man. And this is kind of the practice for every day of my life. God, I surrender to you. And my idea of what I think is reality and what I think is freeing and what I think is gonna lead me to a place that's good, it's not obvious. Your way is counterintuitive. And I just have seen enough in my life. I'm not gonna trust in me anymore. So I surrender my life to you. Because the only thing, I mean, one of many things really, but the, the one thing I'm so convinced of is that we serve a king who is worthy of surrender. And he is a king like no other king. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment. 
And like every message in the series, I know this hits wildly in a thousand different directions. So God, in this moment, contextualize, make it personal, make it real. I pray that where you're revealing something that we would immediately feel the presence of your grace in that thing to go like, yeah, I've sown my way into this, but I pray that simultaneously there would be a hope of I can sow my way out. And by the power of the spirit of God, I pray for some of these like sons and daughters of Jesus, we would stop living our lives like you haven't invited us into this. That we have been called to free freedom. We have been called to fulfillment. We have been called to a life and life to the full. And I just pray we start to lift our heads up, that you would increase our vision, and that we would follow you into it. And we pray this in Jesus' incredible name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family, maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.